Smart Firefighting Community, welcome to a mini series of content collaboration that we're doing with the First Responder Smart Tracking Challenge held out of the Crisis Innovation Technology Lab at the University of Indiana. Special shout out to my co-host in this content, Kirk McKenzie, with the guidance from Sonny Kirkley and David Wilde to create this content to give you insights about the different challenges and opportunities about this challenge. This challenge is all about indoor tracking. This has been the holy grail that everyone talks about, and we need to continue to break down these barriers and work together and be a piece of the puzzle to solve this big problem. A special shout out as well to Resultant R2 Network and Generator that are supporting this, and especially the funding that's coming from the Public Safety Communications Research Lab, over $5 million of funding that's going to you, the challengers, the competitors in this competition. The different thought leaders that we'll be interviewing on this podcast have different perspectives from a chief, from a captain, from a firefighter, from insurance, from just all around fire service knowledge. So gain some insights from this and use it to apply to the challenge and make sure to check out frstchallenge.com and enjoy this podcast series. Great to have Chief Tubbs with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, Memory Serves Chief Tubbs has roughly 43 years in the business, a board of directors member for the California Fire Chiefs Association, and a thought leader in the technological space. And Chief, we're so glad to have you to help the competitors, the venture capitalists, the enterprise teams, and the fire departments that'll join this first responder smart tracking challenge to understand why it's important to know where we are. And I'd say the first question to you is, anything that you've seen in the distance or any personal emergencies you've been on where you think the outcome might have been different if personnel, incident command or others knew where their personnel were in X, Y, and Z? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to have to go way back early in my career when this challenge was first exposed to me. And at the time I was working for the Mercer Island Fire Department, which is a neighbor to the city of Seattle. I worked in Washington for 36 years. And you may recall a fire there in Seattle called the Pang Fire, a warehouse fire where we lost four Seattle firefighters. And one of the outcomes from that event was the introduction of what was called the Passport Accountability Program in King County. And this was a series of tools that ultimately was a tracking mechanism, a manual tracking mechanism so that the IC or a division commander or staging, whatever the various groups were, could track both the inflow and the outflow of personnel. And these tools provided that accountability so that at any point in time, whether we received what was called an EMR signal, so we were operating off the 800 megahertz radio and there was an EMR button, emergency button, you push that button, that radio had a specific ID, and we could very quickly, by the passport, link that ID to a firefighter, what unit he was on, and where he was located on the fire ground. The significance of that was in the Pang fire, we did not have that. And so accounting for the personnel proved to be a very challenging event for the firefighters at that fire. I did not respond to that fire, but as a partner agency, obviously we felt the impact of that and had many friends who worked in Seattle. So for me, as I came up through the ranks, especially as battalion chief, when that responsibility was bore on my shoulders, as you can imagine for every fire officer, our personnel safety is number one. And having that ability to track people accurately at a moment's notice is critical. 
what's been missing, obviously, over the years is how do we do that actually inside of a structure or inside of an event? So I spent 20 years on a FEMA USAR team, same kind of concept inside a structural collapse zone. I may know my firefighters are generally in a particular area, but other than that, I don't have the ability to track where they are. Plenty of incidents across the U.S. fire service history, I think that really demonstrate the importance of this, whether we're talking about the Worcester fire or any of these fires, the SOFA fire that we had in South Carolina, all of those, I think, really reinforce the importance of the ability to track live where are people at on all three of those axes. One thing that I've heard, and we heard it from Chief Nam in the previous call, he brought up the Worcester fire and you just brought up the Pank fire, is we know some of these challenges have happened for a variety of reasons, but one of them is being where knowing where the personnel is and understanding where they are. Why is it that we've had these situations happen and we haven't fully seen change or we haven't maybe, not even from a technological standpoint, but from a cultural standpoint, embraced new technology that can help prevent some of these disasters from happening tomorrow or in the future? That's a great question. I would first say that you know, the fire service is always willing to embrace things that improve our ability to provide services and provide safety for our personnel and, and civilians. I think the challenge for the fire service, especially around technology, sort of lays in two lanes. One is, and I came up in the fire service before there were computers and technology, and seeing the introduction of that into the fire service, how long that took, in part because of funding. And also in part because initially technology was really designed to address the needs in the private sector, not the public sector. Thankfully, I'd say certainly over the last five or 10 years, we've seen an acceleration in the public sector. And that's exciting to me because I think now one of those obstacles is being addressed. Funding continues to be, I think, a challenge for public safety agencies many of which really operate on a very thin margin with regards to their budget. They don't have a lot of room to test new technologies, to take risks in that lane, or even for a fully vetted system to purchase it short of having alternate funding streams like grants or different types of opportunities like that, whether they're donations from the community or what. Well, well said. Those are consistent lanes across uh, many jurisdictions in fire, and, and I think also in, in law enforcement, who, who absolutely, some jurisdictions I see are a bit ahead of us in the technology integration, and then in EMS, who are ahead in some components of, and maybe not in others. But as we look at this challenge of knowing where personnel are, which I think is, we've everyone is that we've had today has been real clear on the discussion of, oh, it's important. It's going to be valuable. It's certainly going to be valuable with a multiplier, if you will. There's, say, one firefighter for about 1,500 community members on, on average across the U.S. and really pretty much around the world in developed countries. And so there's a multiplier of knowing where our personnel are for when they find somebody in a building in a fire, earthquake, flood, active shooter, whatever the, the IDALH environment is caused by. And so... Great. It's going to be valuable. The other question I want to get to is the goal of this challenge is to be collaborative in nature, to bring the startups, funding teams, enterprise teams, and public safety agencies to the table. Anything in particular on for, to you on where you think teams might start 
getting involved and how they might approach public safety agencies? Wow, Kirk, that's a good question. I think that oftentimes you'll find most agencies being willing to engage in the development process, right? And certainly we can real world it when there's a technology or a concept that is being tested. There's always issues of you know, risk and liability and, and all of that, but I see those generally, my experience has been those you can navigate fairly easily. The issue always comes down to cost and what is required of an agency. Again, you know, my experience, I've worked both in a municipal uh, structure as well as now in a special district structure, which are different for a variety of reasons and not only governance, but your funding and what's available very, very different. But even in a district where I feel as though we have more latitude and more available funding, a lot of that is already committed. Obviously, anywhere between about 85 and 87% of our budget is just personnel costs. And so when we look at the actual available discretionary funding, once we back out, you know, other costs like fuel and, you know, kind of those the day-to-day bread and butter costs, what we have left is very little. And so that's the environment, I think, that the companies who are bringing these technologies or these technology concepts essentially to market when they're looking for alternative funding streams, at least in part or whole, to support this, that's the challenge for public agencies is that we're not structured or really set up to be a good funding stream where we're really able to support the development of the technologies by field testing, by you know critical feedback to the vendor, hopefully shaping how that development proceeds and ultimately what the value of the product is in the end. Yeah, I absolutely agreed. And, and the other expense, if you will, and cost is in time that uh, all of my colleagues and friends and public safety around the world, there's a bandwidth challenge, especially with COVID or following the Great Recession here in the U.S., there's a bandwidth challenge that there's just the call, the bell keeps going off. There's calls still to go on and it's a challenge, but it's good to hear you say that that agencies in general terms are open to the discussion and, and want to be helpful in that capacity. And that's that's the goal of the challenge is to have the voice of the end user be available to the uh, to these teams as they move their technology readiness level from maybe applied research today to in 2023 when they give out the million dollars, that it's a fieldable unit. It's ready to go to the operators and make, make a difference in the heat of the moment, if you will, with time intervention. Kirk, I know another kind of piece to this that I think about from time to time is if this was the private sector there would be a lot more opportunity with venture capitalists. But the marketplace for you know, the public safety sector is much smaller. We're not like the Department of Defense if we're talking about a comparison of a government agency where you know, the number of units that you're buying creates a volume that makes that kind of a, a sustainable option. But when you're talking about local government, you know, much more challenging. But in a perfect world, you know, if you could marry the developer and a venture capitalist and a public safety agency together, you know, that's kind of, in my mind, a perfect marriage. Yeah, my hope is that the teams will build it for the masses, right? Of almost 8 billion souls, there's 4.5 billion people connected on maybe 50 billion devices. Is built it for everyone else and harden it, make it reliable, encrypt it, multiple layers of security for first responders. But let's first get to the, we, we're looking for a meter accuracy. We'll do the trials with the first challenge and and really great to have you on the call today with us, Chief Tubbs. Any closing thoughts before I know you get back to your day-to-day operations? 
Well, first, Kirk, I want to thank you for reaching out to me. Kevin, you as well. I mean, I always appreciate and I'm humbled, you know, when we get these kinds of calls and we have the opportunity to interact and talk about technology and emerging technology and, and how we can capitalize on that. Being able to be a contributor to that, I think it's just such a privilege. So thank you for that. And then I guess lastly, I would just say, you know, thank you for your attention to this. I think you've heard from all the fire chiefs, personal personnel accountability is a priority of every fire chief and certainly his staff. And anything that we can do to continue to leverage technology to provide the accuracy to hopefully increase the safety of our firefighters, that's that's a no-brainer. And we need to be at the table having that discussion and we need to get that technology out as soon as we can. Chief Tubbs, thank you so much for your time today and your contributions and your ongoing leadership in the fire service and excited to see how we can bring this technology and and use chiefs like yourself and the departments to to deploy it and bring it to the field after it's been market tested and and proven through the first challenge. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for all the work you and your team are doing as well. Much appreciated. Important stuff. Thanks for your support of the, the challenge, sir. Thank you, Kirk. You both have a great day. And again, thanks for reaching out. This was a real privilege. Thank you, care. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank all our speakers that gave their heartfelt and expert opinions on how important it is to have the X, Y, and Z location of first responders in the time of intervention and the heat of the moment when lives are in the balance and time is fleeting. I'd like to thank those who have been watching and considering, do they want to be part of this really, really important challenge? that happens to have $5.6 million at the table, more than a million dollars for a first place prize. See if you can get to meet our accuracy. Please join the challenge. To my co-host, Kevin, thank you so much for being part of this. Any final words from you? Yeah, and I think a couple of things that we heard today, a couple of key phrases, focus on the outcome. Don't be afraid to just be a piece of the puzzle. There are many different dynamics going on in the whole realm of entrepreneurship. And this is a problem that has a lot of different factors. So if you got an idea, and even if it's something still just on a napkin sketch, come to the table. As you look on the screen here, $5.6 million, it's a lot more than $0. And that money is out there for you to get it. So if you're an entrepreneur, or even just someone that has an idea, come to the table. The first challenge needs you. And we're excited to see you and can't wait to see this whole challenge come to life. And to the public safety agencies out there, Get a personnel, spend a few hours with the competitors and help them help you save a life.